Hello, welcome to the Ghosts of Harrenhal. My name's Simon. And I'm McKelly. So welcome to episode two of our chapter-by-chapter chapter book review of The Song of Ice and Fire by George R. R. Martin. I've noticed, actually, that's two weeks in a row I've called it The Song of Ice and Fire, but it's A Song of um. Ice and Fire. I'm getting that wrong, so sorry. I do apologize for that. Today, because of the prologue, our episodes are always going to be one out from the chapter. We're on chapter one. Episode two is chapter right. one of A Game of Thrones, which is uh, the first chapter to be named for a person. All, all the chapters will be named for a person. Right. Sorry for the little spoiler there. Uh, <laughs> but this one's about Bran. Bran is not special. Not yeah. that special. <laughs> well, anyway. I mean, he's special. He gets the first chapter. Right. We like to start with a... Well, actually, we like to start with um, letters from our re- uh, listeners. But yes. we are recording this one very soon after recording the first one. So we haven't actually received anything yet. If you had suggestions for what we should do better, we promise to take them on board for the next episode. Right. Um, we just haven't had a chance to see what you thought yet. But we're definitely open to your feedback. So please keep it coming. Ghosts. Dot Hall at gmail.com is the email address. That's a good reminder. Well done. Yeah. I'm trying prof- to pepper that in there from time to that's time. professionalism. Right <laughs> All right, so um, let's get started with a summary of Chapter 1. Bran. All right. So. I, didn't, I didn't mean Bran should do it. I mean, <laughs> I meant it's Bran. McKelly. <laughs> I will you, do it. You do it. Bran's busy. Yeah. <laughs> so the chapter starts with Bran, who's age 7, en route to the beheading he believes the victim to be a wildling. We hear of old Nan's fairy tales about wildlings and others. We meet Bran's father, Eddard, and his Valerian steel sword, Ice. Jon Snow is introduced as Bran's bastard brother. Just prior to the beheading, Jon whispers to Bran not to look away, or their father will know. When Ice is met with poor Garrod's neck, it slices through in a single stroke. Theon Greyjoy, valet to Lord Stark, kicks the head away when it rolls near him. Bran's elder brother, Rob, thinks Garrod died bravely, but John reckons that he was already dead from fear. Rob and John are both 14. Rob takes after his Tully mother. Tully is the name of his, his mother's maiden name. <laughs> not, not a different type of mother. <laughs> she's, she's he has regular. a mother and a Tully mother. <laughs> so his mother, who happens to be a Tully, uh, she is fair and blue-eyed, fair-skinned blue-eyed, whereas John is uh, slender and dark of complexion. They race on ahead. Bran, he's riding a little pony, can't keep up with their big horses, so he, yes, he just watches them go away. But Bran's father, Eddard, rides up to him after the older boys have gone ahead, and they discuss why the beheading was necessary. Bran thought it was because the man was a wildling and therefore likely to steal women and sell them to the others. Eddard explains that the man was a deserter from the Night's Watch, which makes him a very dangerous man. Rob and John find a dead direwolf and uh, signal everyone to hurry on to catch up with them. There's a, turns out to be a puppy for each of the true-born uh, Stark children, which excludes John. After much debate, Eddard allows the children to keep the pups. As they start to resume their trip back to Winterfell, John finds an albino pup that had been missed. This pup is for John. As well, John's pup is the only one whose eyes are already open. Oh, I love it. I yes. love it. Symbolism. Symbolism is deep. <laughs> So the general discussion about this, I think uh, we get a sense of Eddard or Ned's character. Uh, it's difficult to know how much of it is just sort of like typical northernness and how much of it is him, because obviously right. the, the northerners are sort of stoic and rigid, but he's also, you know, shows some decency and compassion. 
the beheading is is gruesome, but you know, I mean, there is a sort of a nobility to it—the fact that he does it himself rather than delegating it down to someone, right? And and, and he con- he's concerned for Bran, which I think is you know, I mean, he wants Bran to grow up and be a man, watch the beheading, but at the same time, you can see a sort of fatherly concern that he's not too traumatized by it. Yeah, yeah, but he also is a—he's got a compassionate side to yeah. him as yeah. well. He's. He's a well-rounded individual, yeah, yeah, that yeah. Lord Stark. Uh, yeah, he gives in to the, the demands from his children for the pups that they find, yeah. which, you know, every parent's had to, had to face that battle from time to time. <laughs> Can we keep it, Dad? I promise to take care of it. You know how many e- times I heard that before a guy gave in to getting my dog? It's a lot easier to cave in when you're the lord of the manor, though. That's know? true. <laughs> Someone else is going to be dealing with the right. mess, you're not, not you. The very, his very last line in the chapter is about the albino pup for uh, John. And John, I think, says, oh, it wandered off. And Ned said, or oh, was driven away. Oh, Which is yeah. it's, it's an interesting... The symbolism can't have been lost on the characters it's certainly not lost on the readers but it can't be lost on the characters i mean obviously they're a little bit freaked out by the whole situation right and to say that is just a little bit hurtful (laughs) especially after john just said for your true five trueborn children he's already putting himself out there yeah eddard's like whack take that eddard doesn't pass up an educational opportunity here Mm. with bran he uh the role model, a role yes. model for us all. He he, he takes the uh, the opportunity to instill some understanding in Bran of their ancestry and some of the family philosophy. You know, he he mentions uh, if you would take a man's life, you owe it to him to look into his eyes and hear his final words. And uh, if you can't do that, then maybe he doesn't deserve to die. And that the man who passes sentence should swing the sword. And they. They get into this a little bit. He, um, Bran mentions that King Robert has a headsman. Eddard points out that the further you get away from the beheading, the more you lose touch with what death is. I think yeah. it's a ruler who hides behind a paid executioner soon forgets what death is, is the actual quote. Yeah. Eddard mentions to Bran that the blood of the first men throws, flows through their veins, and the first men also get a mention in the list of uh, King Robert's honorifics. Again, just like in the first chapter, I really like that sense of ancient history. Right, there's a lot of it. Yeah, and in particular, it seems that that ancient history is more meaningful to the Starks than to general public. Yes, yeah. We also uh, we get to meet a few other characters, and we we start to start to get uh, a cast here, <laughs> and uh, we find out what happened to poor Garrod. If you're wondering what happened to him when we last left him, and he was with the horses while Waymar and Will were dealing with the others. We discover that he um, he did get away. But, uh, <laughs> Brief respite. <laughs> yes. Things did not go well in the long term for him, though. Uh, but we also, we meet Theon, Theon Greyjoy. We, we start to get the sense that he's kind of an irreverent, uh, haughty kid. You know, he, he laughs when poor Garrett's head rolls to his feet and he kicks the head away. And he's kind of a, a clown, maybe. <clears throat> kind of... Just likes to keep things light, I guess. Yeah, and, and, and he says a few barbed comments to John as well. So John, yes. you know, we, we get to see John's kind-heartedness and his relative maturity compared to the others. Um, right. He 
carefully looking after his brother Bran to make sure he behaves the right way, and his selflessness in giving up the pups to the to his half siblings, including the baby Rickon, who probably wouldn't know one way or the other. Right, Rickon. Um, yeah, it would not have worked. They would not have been able to keep the pups. Likely. Yeah. At least, at least it comes across that way. Maybe Edard's a bigger softy than him. Yeah. giving him credit for and he would have caved regardless but john's quick thinking and selflessness you know there's five pups you have five trueborn sibling or children and your house sigil is a dire wolf to, th- these are meant for your family you make me feel a bit sad for john <laughs> well you know they do reference early on our first reference to john they mentioned that he is brand's bastard brother and he's not john stark he's john snow right uh the i think the quote when they're talking about the pups and after he gives up his opportunity to get a a pup says but not the bastard who bore the surname snow the name that custom decreed be given to all those in the north unlucky enough to be born with no name of their own Mm. that's a reference to the fact that john is Edard's son, but not from his wife, Caitlin Tully. Thank you. Thank you for explaining what a bastard is to us, though, Michaela. It's basically uh, a, a lord who has a child. Yeah, but it, but it is a recognized, a recognized bastard. Recognized, you know, yes. He accepts that he is his son. But... That's step one. Well, step one is fathering the child. And then I, I do like that, actually. I do like the idea that, you know, in a, in a given region, the given sort of lordly family, their bastards have a certain surname, which right. is... A, some somehow associated with the region in yes. the north snow makes perfect sense yeah we meet rob rob is the heir apparent to lord eddard he comes across pretty um self-assured he he's kind of has a maybe a little bit of arrogance to him he get the sense that he uh he knows that he is going to be a lord someday i think the show kind of makes you think these kids are older than they are but you know I I mean, agree. The, fact, the fact that john and rob are only 14 at this time is kind of it's a it's a little bit eye-opening i mean i certainly understand why the tv show cast them a bit older but the way they behave in the book is more in keeping with their age yes and actually john is even more of an outlier in his maturity and common sense because he's only 14 right because they're played by adults it's hard to picture them as 14 year olds yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, there's one one exchange between Bran and Eddard that that I like. Eddard rides up to Bran and checks on him. He asks him um, how he's doing, and Bran asks, "Can a man be brave if he's afraid?" Eddard's response is, "That's the only time he can be brave," which mm-hmm. you know I think is very I like it. Yeah, very deep. Yes, uh, and, and also true. I mean, you know, right? If you're not yeah. afraid, you're not being brave. Right. <laughs> it's easy to be brave if <laughs> well, you're not afraid. There's nothing of something. to make yeah. you afraid. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, there's lots of symbolism in this. Oh yeah, one. the uh, the sigil of House Stark is dead because of a stag. Yeah, the fact that the thing has five pups with the same genders as the Stark children. I mean, it's as I said, not only we as the reader are seeing the symbolism here, but the characters in the book are seeing the symbolism. It's not lost on them. Yeah, the the fact that the pup, John's pup uh-huh. in particular, has been is he's, he's separate. Yeah, and he looks different. Yeah, and he. Although, interestingly, it seems that Rob is the one who looks more different than John. It feels like yeah. John actually looks more he of the looks, Stark than, true. than yeah. Rob. He, Rob looks like a Tully. The other thing is, I mean, in, in the same way that the others 
were sort of a fairy tale until the prologue when we met them. So we didn't have long to think of them as a fairy tale because right. they just appeared. Um, <laughs> dire wolves too. Dire wolves. Right. You know, no one had ever seen a dire wolf before, but here they are. Not yeah. only not only true, but south of the wall. I mean, I, obviously yeah. they were expected to be, if they existed, to be a north of the wall creature. Right. But here's one south of the wall. Yeah. So two chapters in a row, we've got some we've, mythical we've, creatures. Exactly. So in comparison with the television show, the whole of this chapter is very much captured in the TV show. In the show, I noticed that they presaged the scene with the direwolf with finding the body of the dead stag. Yes. So I think that's laying on the symbolism even thicker, but also maybe it would just not have been clear that the stag had killed the direwolf if they just found the piece of antler in its throat. Could have just been a stick. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. yeah exactly. Tripped and yeah, landed yeah. on a stick. Yeah, yeah but, that it definitely comes across better from yeah. a visual point of view if you have a dead stag and then a dead yeah. wolf. Yeah. yeah. And, and also, you know, I mean, it might be even that the the symbolism is is more on point if both of them are dead. I mean, I, I mean, not to to spoil what's to come, but you know, this the hardship is to follow for right. the people involved here. So yeah. As far as we know from the book, the stag lost an antler. We know that. Much. Right. <laughs> Whether he survived and is skipping along through the woods just fine, we don't know. Visions of the die will say, oh, just wait, wait, don't run away. <laughs> um, I, I took that opportunity to clear my throat. Yeah, so that, good clever. idea. Yeah. Yeah. Shoot. I missed my chance. Uh, we also get to hear some dialogue between Eddard and, well, in the TV show is Will. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. We don't get to hear any dialogue with Garrett and Eddard in the book. Yeah. All it's mentioned is that Brand, that yeah. there is some, but Brand can't remember later what yeah. it was. In the TV show, he goes on about, I saw them. I saw the other, or I think he calls them White, white Walkers. walkers. Yeah. Yeah, I saw the them. White Walkers. This is a bit of a difference. I don't know how much. Well, I mean, I think giving us the sense that Ned knew what, the deserter was deserting yeah, for sure. you know we we don't know in the book we don't know what bran because bran's the reporter we don't know what was said between ned and the True. condemned man in the show we know that ned heard i saw white walkers and so in the space of a couple of hours eddard sees two fairy tales come to life in front of him you know good point yeah that's true the TV show also includes an earlier scene that introduces some of the other Starks, but the, the book readers will just have to wait for those. Yeah. One thing that, you know, it took me a while to realize that they don't mention the Roinar in mm-hmm. Robert's titles. Um, in the TV show. Yeah, in the TV it. show. Yeah. They they, yeah. they just say King of the Andals and of the First Men. Right. But, you know, in the book, you get the King of the Andals, the Roinar and of the First Men. I guess they're just some... Um, They've only got an hour. You know, they got a lot to pack in. They're cutting, yeah. out, cutting out that uh, the two seconds are getting back right there. Yeah, I mean, that that goes back to the ancient history of the peoples that populated Westeros. And I guess right. three different groups is just too much to cope with. Let's, yeah, let's yeah. narrow this down to two. Yeah. Rob, just physically, Rob was supposed to be fair and blue-eyed in the book. And he was... He, look like the other Starks really in the right. show yeah um, I yeah. guess that's just a casting decision rather than a conscious yeah. decision probably yeah. and one other tiny thing I noticed is in the book Rob stood knee deep in white snow or in white and um, Bran pushed through a waste high drift we're not really dealing with that level yeah. of snow in the uh, TV show it's and this is the ninth year of summer I mean right so a little bit of background again try and uh, all we can to avoid spoilers 
So ice, the sword that Ned uses, is made from Valyrian steel. So that's from a place called Valyria, of which more later. Yep. It's forged using magic, apparently, or perhaps by Dragonfire. Those are the two stories behind Valyrian steel. Compared to ordinarily forged steel, it's supposed to be lighter, stronger, sharper. Right, they they call it castle forged. uh, That's usually, usually they... When they're talking about Valerian steel, they usually call it either magic forge or spell forged. And then uh, when they're talking about your typical old steel sword, they call it castle forged. Valerian steel swords are in short supply. Apparently, the method of creating them has been lost. Yes. And so uh, noble houses that own them sort of have them as prized possessions. Yeah, they're, they put them up on the mantle above the fireplace. Yeah. Also, they um, there's mention of Mance Raider, the king beyond the wall. You know, what we discussed a little bit last episode about those uh, rascally wildlings and uh, how they're free folk that live north of the wall and don't acknowledge the king of Westeros. But maybe they acknowledge a king of a different sort, this Mance Raider. We we don't know exactly, but it's possible that they are more organized than we thought. And, no. uh, the, the claim is mixed up with Old Nan's fairy tales and Bran's imagination, so we don't exactly know what's going on. We're getting a report from a seven-year-old. So. True, true, good point. Rob uses the others as a curse, which is interesting. So again, yeah. sort of like that's that's nice sort of building the fairy tales into right. the sort of structure and uh, of the world you had you mentioned this for a while as uh, someone who dabbles in this kind of thing <laughs> magic <laughs> no <laughs> <Do a> card trick <laughs> seven of clubs <laughs> So, yeah, so Bran Seven, the summer has lasted nine years, so he he would be known as a child of summer, I believe, yes. as a result of this. But I don't understand how a summer can last nine years. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, the right. yeah. summers and winters are determined by the... <laughs> so so it's, it's not magic, it's astronomy that I'm kind of interested that's, in. That's what I meant. It doesn't make an awful lot of sense to me that you could have summers that last a long time. Days last the same amount of time. Uh, we, should, we, we assume. Wait, 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 wait no, no. You know that days get shorter and longer as the year goes by, right? Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> but they don't last. Like, if seasons are lasting so long, you would think something's going on. Yeah. Because, I mean, the seasons are caused by the tilt of the axis of the Earth. And then as the Earth goes around the sun... See, this is why we have him yeah. for the science stuff. Then, then the days get longer and shorter, and that's what causes winters, you see. Okay, so right, right, right. maybe, I guess maybe the axis of the Earth is, or the axis of the planet upon which Westeros lies right. is somehow processing as the planet goes around the sun. That could happen, but it would become predictable, I think, unless it's chaotic in some way. It would become predictable. Right. But then but then I think later on we see that there are people who whose job it is to predict the end right. of summer and winter, True. so maybe it is predictable. Um, yeah. Yeah, see? Uh, I've taught myself out of this this complaint. <laughs> well, see, what you don't know is that Simon is actually Dr. Simon. Oh, he no. has a PhD. Mm-hmm. So this is why he knows all this fancy stuff. It's not in English literature or astronomy, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got a second mention for King Robert. Um, now his full title, including his last name, Baratheon. So... As Baratheon's kingdom is the Stormlands, but as the royal family, they're based in King's Landing and the Crownlands. Their sigil is a black stag on a gold background. Did you say a stag? I did. Oh, dun, dun, dun. Their words are, ours is the fury. Yes, we... we'll get stuck in your throat. (laughs) (laughs) We also meet the Starks. 
There's Yay, reference the to Starks. the Starks. The, they uh, hail from Winterfell, which I believe is mentioned it at is, the very beginning so, yeah. of the chapter. The Starks themselves are Lords of the North, which is one of the original seven kingdoms that make up Westeros. That is in the Lord of the Seven Kingdoms, ah, as his ah. title to the king. Their sigil is described as a direwolf running on a ice-white background. Their words, as you'll come to know, are, Winter is coming. Now you have to say that with a Sean Bean accent. <laughs> you have to Winter is coming. <laughs> yeah. And several times in this chapter, uh, we get a mention of the lengths, you know, the, the summer and uh, right, I think we winter. Just, we just yeah. explained all this. Right. We yeah, just so understood we, it finally. Yeah, yeah. They're always convinced. This could be the first year of summer. Yeah. <laughs> they are convinced that winter is right around the corner. Exactly. Yeah. No matter how long summer has lasted. Yeah. They do not hire those people who can predict the end of summer because they know <laughs> winter is coming. It's on its way. <laughs> People come along and they try to pretend that that's, uh, they, they, hey, I can tell you when winter's coming. Don't worry. <laughs> we we know. already know. It's uh, on its way. So shall we um, do your favorite thing and discuss? Pedantry? Pedantry. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> so why did Garrett desert? I don't know. This is the thing. It I mean, it's... so he was eight or nine days north of the wall. So, yeah, he was freaked out and frightened as he rode back to the wall. But he got back to the wall. He must have come through it via, presumably, a populated Night's Watch 4 on the wall. Possibly. Although... You you have have an alternative to that. But if I were him, I mean, he's been north of the wall for 16 days. That's hard tack and melted snow. Yeah. I would have stopped for a hot meal. Get back to your friends. And a shower. (laughs) For sure, I would have. Seek comfort. I don't know how... I, I mean, obviously, he was scared. But a hot meal and a shower would have helped. Yes. Uh, Sneaking through the wall and keeping on riding. Calmed him down a little bit. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. And you swore an oath. And I mean, okay, I'm with you. I I can easily imagine being frightened enough to break my oath. But Ned's a stickler. Yeah. You know? (laughs) Some... You have to know this. The wall is, you know, it is in the north. You have to know that Eddard's not going to just be like, ah, you know, just... You saw a white walker? Oh, dude, I'm sorry. Just go back to the wall. <laughs> Turn around, get back up there, or head south. But, choice. But again, I mean, so this is supposed to be pedantry, and I'll give George Martin credit here. This could be the absolute existential terror that the others have put into him. Right. Just making him make absolutely crazy decisions. You, you remember in the prologue, they didn't see the others until the very last bit but they felt the fear yeah. they they felt fear for a reason they couldn't really describe yeah they just kept saying there's a sense of fear yeah you know and, and i think the the one deviation between the book and the tv show that we've mentioned is that it's garrett in the book and it's will in the tv show and garrett is the more stoic right, the more years. experience 40 years nothing should freak him out and so maybe it goes to the fact that this really is something absolutely terrifying that maybe even yeah someone as stoic as him would freak out about maybe he couldn't face living at the wall knowing that white walkers actually exist although we don't know that he saw you know that is he was true. At the horses he could have snuck up and you know, popped his little head up over a ridge True. and watched it all unfold and thought, I'm out of here. But as far as we know... He may have just ridden off. <laughs> yeah, he thought, I'm done with all this. Yeah. So I was doing some research. Oh, as God, I'm, he's, off, he's off again. <laughs> as I like to do. So some of the theories about how Garrett may have gotten 
past the wall without anyone noticing is um there is a castle called the night fort it was it was once it is it's abandoned now but it's the largest castle of the wall i do not know and there is supposedly a secret passageway oh, that oh. only members of the, the night, night watch, watch would know, know about yeah, so it? he could have cut through there if he really just didn't want to really wanted run. to avoid the hot food and his friends yes if he didn't want to seek comfort in any way yeah. Could have gone through the night fort, which is a dilapidated right. old castle. All right. So maybe he didn't even notice the wall. Maybe he just <laughs> rode on through the tunnel and just like straight up the other side. Like a cartoon. There's like a Garrett-shaped <laughs> hole in the wall. <laughs> uh, oh, well. So, uh, well, overall, I mean, I... I mean, I, I like the prologue, but I love this first chapter. I love the dire wolves and stag symbolism. It's a bit heavy-handed, but, you know, hindsight helps to see it as heavy-handed. Right. reading it for the first time it's just like ooh interesting uh, yes you don't mess around uh, here I am going to love those little doggies they're yeah. so sweet <laughs> um, I think they're going to grow up yeah probably they're not going to be little for long yeah it's a great backdrop for introducing it Ned is, and yep. his personality hard and unyielding but decent it's yeah. also um, a good intro to John yeah. I think we learned as much about John as we did about Eddard he's, yeah. he's yeah. a very deep 14 year old yes for 14 year old he's got a lot going on up in the old noggin he's uh thoughtful and conscientious uh, ironically we probably learned the least about bran himself i mean he is right. only seven so yeah you know, they, they don't really have personalities i guess so but it's coming light winter <laughs> bran is coming yeah well thanks for listening Please yes. subscribe if you like what we're doing. Get in touch. We can be reached, as McKelly said, at ghosts.harrenhall at gmail.com. Let us know what you uh, would like us to talk about. Give us some questions, observations. Yeah, we'll share anything. Well, thanks, everyone. I hope you've enjoyed it, and we'll be back with you yes. soon. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye.